Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out what if transfers in college football were not allowed and how that would impact the college football quarterback landscape of the 2010s. y'all how's it going it's michael here for a new episode of the what if podcast as said earlier we're talking about transfer quarterbacks from the 2010s and college football we have a lot of college football interest amongst our friend group i'm a huge mizzou tiger fan but since we're on the topic today we have some massive news that has been kind of breaking the last few weeks the fact that oklahoma and texas have officially made a bid or invited themselves to the party of the SEC. So since we're talking college football, we'll be diving into that. And we have an expert on the call. His name is Cameron Harder. He's a huge Oklahoma fan. And I will toss it over to him to kind of give the rundown. Yeah. So we were wanting to do like a small little mini what if before everything really went sideways, because in my opinion, this is probably going to change the landscape of college football. This was at the request of my nephew, Landry, by the way. He texted me there then. He was like, hey, you guys should talk about this on the podcast. So this is for you, Landry. Brief rundown. Yes, Michael, they sent a request to be invited to the SEC. And then the SEC voted on whether or not they should invite them. And it was a unanimous vote, regardless of how much Texas A&M was griping about it. They still voted yes. And so they sent the invitation to OU in Texas. And OU Texas met last week and voted to accept the invitation. So it is official 2025. OU in Texas will be members of the SEC. So I guess first things first, I want to ask you guys, because I have my opinions about all of this. I've been talking to a million people. It's been my Twitter timeline for like basically three weeks, but do you guys think this is the right decision for them? Is this going to help OU in Texas and the SEC, I guess? I think for the SEC, kind of why not? You know, we kind of talked about this with the European Super League with soccer, but just the consolidation of all the biggest teams, right? And I feel like it's just one and the same. Cameron, from what you said in previous calls, OU and Texas have kind of kept the Big 12, like, I wouldn't say alive, but like they're, you know, that's a cash cow. That's where all the money comes from. Mm -hmm. So from the SEC's perspective, like, hey, if you want to come to this party, why not? Like, we'll we'll have you, we'll host you, we'll feed you, we'll have a good time. Um, But yeah, I'm just curious to see what happens with the rest of the Big 12. You know, even though OU and Texas led the way with the Big 12, there's still some really good programs there, too, in football, basketball, and other sports, so. Well, first of all, Landry, I think you're a cool dude, and I wish you nothing but success in your future. I've heard a lot of good things about you, so keep doing what you're doing. So, you know, Michael's a Mizzou fan. I'm a huge Michigan State fan, so Big Ten-centric kind of guy. 
But, you know, when I think about this move to the SEC by Texas and Oklahoma, you know, if it were to happen in 2025, if that were to occur, I think, you know, considering how I feel like Alabama is kind of like they were on the precipice, but now they're like kind of declining a little bit. So maybe declining, just winning a national championship, (laughs) having a historically amazing offense, but yes, continue. I guess, guess, you know, like Nick Saban, I don't know if Nick Saban's going to be around that time in in five years from now. So maybe this move is SEC saying, you know, who's going to be the new guard or like the new face of the SEC. And instead of just having one team, let's have two teams try to compete. But yeah, I think it's good for the SEC in that regard. And I probably that's what they had in mind to sort of prepare for the transition of Alabama's dominance to replace with a a new team. So that's how I see it on the football side. I think in terms of basketball, well, first and foremost, I don't think the Big Ten in basketball gets enough respect when it comes to like seating in tournaments and whatnot. I'm trying to tie it with Big Ten basketball, but I feel like with these two teams going to SEC makes the SEC stronger. And well, how it ties to the Big Ten is that the Big 12, which is a very strong basketball conference is now hanging by a thread essentially Uh and it seems to me that the big 12 will be no more and so Mm -hmm. that is how it affects the big 10 because Mm -hmm. OU and Texas aren't huge basketball schools but they certainly aren't bad ones and they will make the conference stronger the SEC but I imagine that some of these schools are going to wind up in the big 10 I don't know like as a big 10 fan are you afraid like you see SEC building like a huge dominant conference and like as a Big Ten fan, are you concerned? Like you want Big Ten to add some more teams and look at like a Kansas or something to see what's that worth to you, especially on the basketball side? Or do you think Big Ten should just kind of stand pat and keep doing what they're doing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, over the years, Big Ten has added some teams, maybe not teams of the magnitude of OU and Texas, but they've made some change. I don't know if they necessarily have to match up with what the SEC is doing. I think the Big Ten in itself is already competitive with the teams that they already have. So the likes of like having Kansas around, if that were to occur, yeah, sure, why not? Personally, I don't think the Big Ten should, you know, make any changes because I think it's it's fine as is. But again, if Kansas comes in, sure. Like as a Michigan State fan, we welcome the competition. Why not? It makes our squad better. So, can you imagine some of those games, man? Like Michigan State, KU, Michigan, ah. Ohio State, KU games. Those would be fun basketball games. They would. Football, they'd just be atrocious, but. Yeah, I would say they get worse the Big Ten if Kansas joins in football. It's not even <laughs> How can you go worse? Are you serious? They haven't yeah. beat like an FCS team in like eight years. Yeah. Hey, I'll give Kansas credit on the basketball side. Makes Big Ten basketball even much better. But man, football, it's not something I'd want to watch. Cameron, I'm curious, and 
what are your thoughts on Kansas State? Because if Kansas joins the Big Ten or gets an invite, like I'm trying to think of like geographically the, the Big 12. Do you think Kansas State will get that invite? Maybe Iowa State too, like the Northern Big 12 schools? I mean, I would hope so. I mean, obviously we have family ties there with Landry being there. Of course, I don't know if this will affect him or not because, you know, if it goes to 2025, that won't affect him because he'll be graduated by then. But, you know, if it was earlier and, and things fell apart, I would want him to be in a strong conference and, you know, get to play good competition. But I've heard a lot of things about a Pac-12 merger. I think that would be cool if I was a kid, you know, in Kansas that I would get to travel to the likes of California and Arizona and Oregon and see some really cool atmospheres and different places. Obviously, it's a lot of traveling, but it might be fun. I've heard also Big Ten. I've also heard the American, which the American is a smaller conference, but it's definitely not a weak one. I would consider it the sixth conference outside of the Big Five, you know. So I would only hope for them to, you know, stay and the upper echelons of sports, you know, of course, obviously have a very storied football program and basketball program as well. So it just stinks that they're just kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it makes it hard to really be enticing for some of these big conferences to, you know, take on that. So I would love to see them in like the Big Ten or something. It's just a matter of do they want to expand that much? Yeah. I think one thing that, you know, I kind of wrote down the big 12 schools that remain. And with realignment, obviously, one thing you lose is like all these different rivalries that you probably have in, you know, the big 12 and stuff like that, like Oklahoma will lose Oklahoma State most likely, of course. So but I think like, man, I hope Kansas State gets tied into the Kansas and then Iowa State joins the big 10 for the Iowa connection. And then Nebraska's right there. So it makes sense geographically on that front. And I'm looking at these other big 12 schools like West Virginia, I think will you know, if they don't stay in the Big 12 or what becomes of it, maybe they go to like what the ACC with Virginia, Virginia Tech. As for the Texas schools, like TCU, Texas Tech is what? West Texas. So like, does the Mountain West come into play? Pac-12 maybe, yeah. Yeah. I do find it funny. I know on the call last week, they were joking like Oklahoma State, like nothing says Pacific, like Stillwater, Oklahoma. But hey, that's a really attractive program, football and basketball. So I'm sad that there's a lot of fun like rivalries that I'm sure maybe not initially, because as you know, when Mizzou left, they broke ties with Kansas kinda. So I'm hoping that OU Oklahoma State is still a thing. I mean, those games are always so much fun and so competitive. So you know, the same goes for I'm sure Texas has a lot of rivalries as well. There's a lot going to be missed in the Big 12. It's all I've ever known. So, but I'm excited for the new challenge. I think it'll be fun. I think the college football landscape is going to be wildly different. Who knows? By the time this episode comes out, the things that, how fast everything has been moving. So, well, let me ask you this, Cameron, in terms of women's basketball, how good is OU? How good is Texas? I don't know about women's basketball. I know they just got a new coach. Texas is usually competitive in most sports. I know OU's like golf team is really good. 
gymnastics is typically really good. Softball is by far one of the best, maybe top two or three programs they won this year, in fact. Adding Texas to SEC baseball is going to be really good. OU is not as good in baseball, but I mean, I'm sure they'd get better being in a better conference. Who knows? But I mean, across the board, OU and Texas are very competitive in a lot of the sports. So adding them to like a really competitive conference like the SEC, I'm sure it'll be exciting. To your point earlier, Cameron, like, you know, missing those, like what you've known as a Big 12. You know, Mizzou's been in the SEC for a decade now, just about like, it's been a good bit of time. But, you know, truth be told, I so long for the days of the Big 12. The Chase Daniel years, like when we had a lot of success. Same thing with basketball. And even there's a place in Columbia, Columbia, Missouri, there's a bar that it's called Campus Bar and Grill officially, but people call it Big 12 to this day. So there's still remnants of the Big 12 in Columbia, Missouri, even though we are SEC. But I will say, it'll be fun getting those Oklahoma connections with Mizzou again, the Texas ones. But I think it'll be fun, like, rekindling those kind of games. And, hey, Cameron, Columbia, Missouri is a short drive from KC, an OU game there, perhaps yep. in Norman. Yeah. I will say one last thing to, to close this out. If you could, uh, keep your thoughts and prayers with my marriage, uh, with most likely OU and Arkansas being in the same division and playing each other every year. It will definitely be interesting in the Harvard household. I will say that. I am an Arkansas fan. I want to say that on record. But in football, it's Oklahoma. And in basketball, lean probably more towards Arkansas. But football will be, oh, that's going to be rough. <laughs> Prayers indeed. No doubt. <laughs> you and Caitlin have a few years prepared for Maybe. it. Maybe. Who knows? Good stuff. Well, on the topic of college football and college sports in general, we are diving into our transfer quarterback one. We've had a lot of successful transfer quarterbacks the last few years. Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, Tyler Murray, they all come to mind. And they all come up in our podcast. So make sure to like, subscribe to this amazing podcast and tell everyone about it. Without further ado, let's jump on in. These three transfer quarterbacks, just to lay it out there, they are all transfer quarterbacks. And they all won the Heisman trophies and they all went number one in the NFL draft. It's not just a one time, not just a two time, but it happened three times consecutively. And we're seeing transfer quarterbacks all over the country find success so much in different uh, locations and different schools. But just for context, the top left, we're going to go through each one, but that's Baker Mayfield. The two in the middle, Joe Burrow. And the one on the top right, bottom left, that is Mr. Kyler Murray. So just for a little context, this is good old Baker. Fall 2013, that's when we started as freshmen, which I thought that was interesting. But he walks on as a freshman. He doesn't even get a scholarship to Texas Tech University. And he wins the starting quarterback role shortly after due to the injury to the previous starting quarterback. So he starts as a freshman. And honestly, he does pretty well. 12 touchdowns, 9 interceptions as a true freshman. But in January 2014, he says he's leaving Texas Tech after his freshman year due to a miscommunication with the coaching staff. I'm sure there's probably more discussion on that, but Baker Mayfield, what happened after Texas Tech? 
he had to sit his first year after transferring. He went to Oklahoma. There was a lot of drama with that move because he was a walk-on at Texas Tech. So he wasn't given a scholarship upon moving to Oklahoma, but that he would walk on and whether that would mean he would lose a year of eligibility. But he sits out a year, becomes a quarterback for OU 2015, and is a starter for three years. As you can see, some incredible numbers. 101 total touchdowns, throwing and running, and 21 total interceptions. He wins the Heisman for the 2017 season. Number one overall pick to the Cleveland Browns in 2018. What if he never left Texas Tech? What would happen to Baker Mayfield? Would he have been the number one overall pick? Would he have won the Heisman? I can't imagine that he would have. But at the same time, he probably could have still put up the gaudy numbers that he did at Oklahoma. And in the back of your mind to plant the clue, who was another Texas Tech quarterback who was around the same time that Baker was there at? So start thinking about that with the what if. Next up, Kyler Murray, he follows a similar track with going to another Texas school, but he went to A&M at first. So he was a freshman in 2015. He competed for the starting job. He lost it to Kyle Allen. Long story short, he plays quite a bit during that year. He wins a starting job. And then he doesn't have a great season. Six touchdowns total, seven interceptions. But again, right after his freshman year of actually playing and playing a pretty big role, you'd imagine he would have been a starter the next year. He decides to transfer. He's not going to transfer to a school that, you know, he's going to get a shot at automatically. Both him and Baker Mayfield go to bigger schools in Oklahoma, respectively. So I thought that was interesting. Transferring up, I guess you can say. Kyler Murray, he has to sit. He sits a year and he becomes a starter for OU after backing up Baker Mayfield. And he becomes a starter in 2018. But he leads Oklahoma to a college football semifinal, loses to Alabama. But you look at those stats, same with Baker. I mean, those are incredible. And he only started one year. He also wins Heisman, also goes number one overall. But this is two times in a row that we have a transfer quarterback transfer up and have even more success at their new destination, which ironically is Oklahoma in both instances. Would that same success have happened at Texas A&M? But of course, the most recent example, we have a third example. That is Mr. Joe Burrow. He's at Ohio State actually for a fair bit of time. Three years overall, he redshirted his freshman year. And then for the next two years after that as a redshirt freshman and sophomore, he does not play much at all. So it's not like Baker or Kyler in which after freshman year, he parts. Beginning his junior year, he's in a competition with Dwayne Haskins, another NFL quarterback. And he's told or he finds out that he's not going to be named the starting quarterback. He then transfers again to a very comparable university in regards to college football success in LSU. He transfers there on May 20th, 2018. Those first three years were like the JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, Cardell Jones years. The three of them were there and all really good. So there's like no chance of him playing. And then Dwayne Haskins, obviously. But That's right. That's right. It's so interesting because like I think one of my questions is like, 
did these schools not see the potential in these players? I mean, the talent was probably already there at Ohio State for Burrow, but he moves to LSU and he literally sets records. So he's named starting quarterback 2018. So he's a starter for two years. He does pretty well his first year. But we all know this past year, he was incredible. He set records for passing touchdowns and third in the FBS records for yards. Look at that overall touchdown to interception ratio. That's pretty incredible. And he had 60 in that one year. He wins the Heisman. Number one overall pick yet again. So we have three years in a row that we have a transfer quarterback win the Heisman and become the number one overall draft pick. So, again, I knew the end product. I knew I wanted to talk about this in some way. So I think these questions, especially the later ones, are more general and ones I just threw against the wall, see what sticks. But I really love the first one because Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, they kind of intercept in a way. Mayfield, I think his first year, his only year at Texas Tech was the year before Mahomes arrived. And Mahomes ended up playing his freshman year at Texas Tech. They actually played each other in an OU Texas Tech game that set records for the amount of points and yards. I'm just curious, would anything have happened if Mayfield had stayed at Texas Tech? Would Mahomes maybe have transferred out? Would this have impacted Patrick Mahomes in any way? Why are these transfer quarterbacks having so much success after they transfer? Is this trend good for college football? Will it continue? And with this happening so often, will any changes be made? These hit home for me, Michael. These are very close to home as to these are some of my favorite college football players on obviously my favorite college football team. The Texas Tech one, that one is crazy to think about because I don't think Baker Mayfield probably sees that field with Patrick Mahomes just based on the talent level that Patrick Mahomes has. Because these college coaches, they see the, I mean, Baker was walking on. He wasn't good enough for them to offer him a scholarship at first. So it's kind of like one of those things where like, why would they offer him the starting job over this guy that they have touted as the next starting quarterback and Patrick Mahomes or I think it was, it was a different quarterback, like Davis Webb or something the first time. So that one kind of makes more sense to me. And as much as I love Baker, I mean, if you look at Baker, he probably doesn't look like your starting quarterback that you want. And then you look at Patrick Mahomes, which can just sling it. And you're like, yeah, this guy seems right, you know? So like that one makes sense. So I don't think Baker gets on the field. I think Patrick Mahomes plays his career there. I think the move to Oklahoma was the perfect fit with Lincoln Riley. And as you can see, Lincoln Riley has done this three years in a row where he's put a quarterback in the Heisman finalists. So like he clearly knows what he's doing. He knows how to maximize somebody's potential. So with him and Kyler, I think he's worked wonders. And you could argue Jalen Hurts as well. I think a lot of it has to do with where these guys wind up. When you bring all these young guys in year after year after year, you're always looking at the next guy you bring in because that's just the way recruiting works, right? Like anytime you bring in the young gun, like the new guy with more potential, that's the guy that you want to play, right? But then 
especially with college football, you're bringing in the next guy the next year. And then you get them on the practice field and you're like, well, this guy is way better than the, what we thought we had or vice versa. Then they can just get buried. Like Joe Burrow got buried under four or five NFL quarterbacks, right? Like he's not going to get a chance. So sometimes moving isn't necessarily a bad thing. They can wind up with a really good coach as in like Joe Brady down at LSU, the perfect fit for Joe Burrow. Like Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield aren't what they are right now without Lincoln Riley. So transfer rules too, like the coaches start changing and everything gets flipped around. That gets tricky too. So transferring, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing to run away from competition, but I also think there are certain situations where it's, it's really helpful. I find it really interesting, the Joe Burrow one, because I didn't really know anything about him. I feel like that decision, and I feel like the way I've kind of portrayed it is like, maybe transfers are kind of negative. In these instances, they worked out. But like, he gave it a shot. I mean, he was there for three years. I didn't realize that. And it did not pan out. Like you said, there were all these other great quarterbacks, and I kind of respect him for that. I mean, you know, he didn't shy away from competition. He gave it a go for three years, and like, what happened? I mean, it's fascinating because what if he didn't make that choice as a what a twenty-one-year-old kid to transfer to LSU? I mean, that's a big choice. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this question: Is this trend of transfer succeeding good for college football? I want to change that question to: Is this trend of transfers good for? college football players. I think in a sport, especially with college, like NCAA, where athletes are not paid, I think this kind of move is a good way to exercise their independence. Like they they have agency of what they want to do. Because, you know, with NCAA, like, I know there's so many rules and regulations within transfers. Like, I would assume there's like a deadline for someone to say, yeah, I would like to move or I don't know. But just the fact that they have that sort of agency to decide, yes, I would like to move elsewhere so that I can potentially increase my stock in the NFL because that's where I would like to go. I think it's good for college football players. It provides opportunity for them that they might not have had at those other schools. Mm-hmm. And those kids deciding to go to those places when they're 18 years old, I mean, those decisions are made on the smallest things, right? So, like, you don't know if you like the campus that much. You don't know if you don't like the area or the school or the coach based on the limited conversations you've had with them. I mean, there's so many factors that these kids are picking their schools on and then they get there and it can be completely different. I agree with you, Eddie. I think it would be better for the players to keep it going. Gee, it looks like you have a thought. I can't quite tell, but I think I saw the eyebrows kind of tilt up. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing as Eddie about changing that question for college football players because it sounds like it is a good thing for the players. And it seems like that's the trend that college sports are going in in general. 
players getting to make money off their own likenesses. It's like there's more player agency. And I attribute it all to LeBron. I think all <laughs> <laughs> I think all athlete empowerment is because of LeBron vision. Now like athletes have so much more power. Athletes have more power than the teams and the institutions. And I think that we're starting to see that trickle down to college sports as well. So I think all of this is because of LeBron. That's my <laughs> my theory. Yeah, Cameron, you brought up a good point. And it's something I wanted to build off of. But like a lot of these players commit to coaches, like schools, of course, but like they love this coach and everything like that. But more on the side of everyone is kind of looking on the recruiting front. Who's the next guy in? And like, what does that mean to the guy who's a sophomore, a rising sophomore? He just redshirted and he has potential, but all this focus and attention is placed on this new fellow. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. The fact that like, I would imagine a lot of coaches want to say, Hey, we're going to take care of you here. You're going to give your shot. And then the next year they, they're saying the same thing. to all these different new people and people who are going to possibly take your position and maybe I'm making something out of this that maybe isn't there, but I feel like part of me feels sad. That's the way it is that we're always looking towards the next guy. Like who else is coming in instead of, Hey, this guy has talent. Like let's nurture that. Let's support him. And maybe he can become the next Joe Burrow, you know, and he doesn't have to move somewhere else to fulfill that potential. That exact thing is happening right now at OU. When you're signing, you don't know that that kid is coming in behind you, right? You're going to get buried under that. And God knows there's another dude coming right behind him. So you want that kid to have an opportunity, but based on what's coming up through the system and everything changes from year to year based on what recruits that they bring in. And that's only at the quarterback position. You're not even talking about all the other positions. I know it's not as popular, but it happens. Transfer market is very interesting. It almost really creates like a free agency. It's like these kids are getting recruited places and they sign, but we know that there's a good chance that a lot of these kids won't wind up at these places. The other side of the coin is Tom Brady because he had the opportunity to transfer from Michigan when he wasn't playing and he chose not to. And it didn't turn out that well for him in college, but it turned out very well for him in the pros. Do you think if, so for Tom Brady, for example, if he said, well, I know I'm going to get the starting job if I go to Illinois or like Kentucky or something, right? And Tom Brady then does Tom Brady stuff. Maybe he gets in the right system and he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. And now he's a first round pick or a second round pick. How does that change his legacy? He probably winds up on a different team. He winds up in a different place. It could have changed Tom Brady's legacy tremendously if he had the opportunity to transfer and start the next year somewhere. I think transfers are good. I think it provides more opportunity for kids to show what they've got because they go into these blue blood programs and they just get buried underneath all the rubble of talent. Maybe it spreads the wealth a little bit more. I don't know. It's an interesting topic. I don't know much about, I don't know any of this. Yeah, I didn't either. 
Yeah, this, this one I'm very familiar with. <laughs> a lot of my success as an Oklahoma fan has come from transfer quarterbacks. So I would argue, though, that outside of Jalen Hurts, the first two, they had to sit through their redshirt years and everything like that, and they waited their turn. The other thing I'll say about this topic, about your last question, Michael, will this trend lead to any changes being made? I think it'll lead to more of the dark side of college football coming out. Like Oklahoma says, hey, if you transfer to our school, we've got this nice apartment all set up for you, you know, no charges, no one needs to know about this. And then LSU is going to say, hey, we've got this nice lake house set up for you if you come to our school. What do you think recruiting is? <laughs> what do you think happens when these guys are 18? But imagine that you can do that every year now. Like, you not just when they're 18, but even after they've signed for another school, you can still do that. So it's like, I feel like a lot of the shady stuff is going to start happening even more. I remember uh, I was watching an interview with Urban Meyer talking about when he was coaching at Ohio State, and they had just changed that transfer rule. He was saying it was really weird because instead of at the end of the first game, watching the tape of the game, maybe watching some film of some recruits that were coming in, he was handed some film for quarterbacks that were in college football right now and said, hey, I want you to take a look at these kids. We might have a shot at them coming here next year. And obviously, Justin Fields was one of those quarterbacks that ended up coming. But now they were like, watching film and recruiting kids from other schools. And that was a very weird change for him. So I can definitely see what you're saying, G. It does have a little ominous side to it where it doesn't feel good that all these guys are just pulling the chute and bailing and jumping to other schools. And the coaches are now pulling from the different places and everything. But yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. <laughs> it's it's going to be weird. There's a lot of good things to it, a lot of bad things, I think, too. It would also be a disparity. How is – I'm trying to think of, like, a low-budget college football school. Yo, Fresno State. How is Fresno State going to compete with Oklahoma when it comes to how much they can bribe a kid in their family? There's no chance. <laughs> I, a kid would probably choose Oklahoma anyways, but – if they have a better shot at Fresno State, but Oklahoma is going to offer them that nice apartment with a new car and a loan or something, <laughs> then like Fresno State is doomed. I mean, I would argue that, you know, Oklahoma's got like three of those guys. So not everybody can go there. So Fresno State's going to have their chance at somebody, right? Michael, thank you for uh, letting me talk about Oklahoma football for the last hour. I appreciate it. Of course. I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, I think Cameron's going to have to hate it. <laughs> I'm excited for this season. So, Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. Hey, if you want to come to this party, why not? Like, we'll, we'll have you, we'll host you, we'll feed you, we'll have a good time.